Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. The report is our friend, Father Guido Sarducci. Father. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, excuse me, Father. I, I notice you're not wearing your red stripes. Uh, did something happen? You weren't promoted to Monsignor? Well, it was it was just postponed a little bit, oh. Jane. They said it was, you know, some problem with the paperwork, and, you know, now I have to wait for the next group, and I don't know if they give me a ring around the bush or what's going on there. <laughs> I think it's going to be okay. I'm going to be promoted soon because uh, just the other day I came up with a great idea and I think they're really going to like it and promote me right away. What was the idea? Uh, it's, a, it's a call of the Shrine Mobile. <laughs> Shrine Mobile. I was in this meeting, you know, and there was all of these cardinals and the bishops and they was all really down, you know, and depressed because they just got this report back and it says that the take at the shrines in Italy is off 55%. <laughs> and the reason is because of the price of a gasoline, so expensive, $2.50 a gallon, people just can't afford to drive it to the shrines. So I says to him, you know, where is that old walk on the water spirit? <laughs> you know, I mean, Procter and Gamble wouldn't take it to sitting down. You know, people can't drive it to the shrines. You drive the shrines to the people. You know, I figure you get these old trucks, put the statues on the back, put the, some rocks around the statues, put the, some, uh, like, a candles on the hood, you know. You get the seminarians to drive it to pay them peanuts. I figured we could make, like, $100 a truck a month. You get 100 trucks, it's nothing to sneeze your nose at, you know. So it's gonna be good for me. And now... Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Nothing up my sleeve. Crystal! No doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. If you love classic cars, then Donald loves you. Hi, it's Donald Osborne, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Welcome here to tuning into Nostalgic Radio Cards, and I'm your show host, Robert. Right on your computers and Google, Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Hey, don't forget to uh, check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. Yeah, all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, go to our archive page, where you can listen to all 501 shows. Now, for you Chevy boys, today is our 502 500 and second. 502. Yeah, because they have a 502 big block, I think. Or maybe it's a 570. No, it's definitely a 502. Anyway, so uh, Cadillac had a 500. Ford had a uh, 460. Ford had a 468 race motor. Ford had a 494. I don't know. All kinds of cool stuff. But anyway, so this is a 502 tonight. 
And uh, so, uh, good evening, Bobby. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing good. Tommy, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. You're wonderful? So you're not hacking ways in it? First guys I've seen tonight is you. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, this is... Uh, Just keep your distance. Keep yeah, your di- we are. We, All the way, a whole radio away from you. <laughs> we've been practicing social distancing since... For 2010. Ten, since yes, 2010. I also like the glass partition between us. Yeah, that keeps the <laughs> saliva off the walls. <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. All righty. So, uh, anyway, we've got an exciting show for you this evening. I think we had a very special guest on, uh, coming on the show. Do we have him? Uh, is he on the line already? Yes? Oh, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, hey, I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening the number one car guy, Jay Leno. Jay, how you doing, buddy? Good, good. Just got off a couple of Chinese cruise ships. So it's good to be home. I wish I could <laughs> high-five you in front of guys. Well, you know, I was wondering, you know, all these years you've been coming on my show, I've always wanted to ask you, could you tell us some jokes, some good old <laughs> Jay Leno car jokes? But now since we got this virus thing going on, go ahead and share your thoughts with us. Oh, you know, you just you write jokes out of just boredom. I mean, it's, I mean, you learn things like, you know, they say now this virus can live on plastic for three days. So if you're in Beverly Hills, don't touch any of the women. You know, those kind of things. <laughs> okay, okay. Good, 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 good. It, 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 it's how bad. You know, Jesse Smollett? He yeah. paid two guys to beat him up on FaceTime. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. I went to the doctor. He said, turn your head, but don't cough. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you kind of knock these out. And and by the way, it is it was, it was a 572. It's a 572? I, I know that because I got the very first one. When GM built that crate motor, the first motor they built was the 572, and I got it to put in my 55 Buick Roadmaster. In fact, GM, uh, unbeknownst to me, made up a set of valve covers that said Leno 572. I don't usually put my name on stuff like that, but they were nice enough to do it, and they gave me the motor, and, we, and it's still on my viewer to this day. So, it's, Although there might also be a 502, the 572 is the GM big block. Now, that Buick, if I understand the story, that was one of the first cars, classic cars, you bought like back in the 70s when you first uh, started well, doing stand I mean, my first car was the 1934 Ford pickup. I bought that when I was in high school. Okay. Uh, but my first car in California, I flew to L.A., the plane landed. I went immediately to a newsstand and bought the Penny Saver, and I went and looked for cars. And I saw, oh, here's a 55 Buick fairly close to the airport. So I just got in the cab and said, take me to this address, and... I got there and I thought, well, I don't have enough money to drive out. I'll just, I'll buy the first car. And that's what I did. And I still have it. My 55 Buick. So basically, you never rented a car. You didn't do anything except get off the airplane. Go no, to no, I couldn't rent a car. I was, I was a kid with no oh. credit. I had no money. I just got on a plane and went to California. You know, so I couldn't, the idea of renting, I couldn't, oh, nobody rent me a car. I was like 21 years old, you know. So when you first got to California, what was your goal? What, what were you doing? I mean, were you doing stand-up? Well, I came here because this is where comedy was. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there really wasn't a comedy scene in Boston. or <laughs> uh, Although I spent some time in New York. But the comedy store had just opened, and Johnny Carson had just moved to California in 72. And it was where everything was happening. It just seemed like, oh, I'll go there. Plus, it was the center, and still is, I guess, to a certain extent, Southern California of car culture. So it was everything I was interested in. Cars, and girls, and, and, and comedy. And Yeah, it was great. When you uh, first... So the Buick was your first car. What was the car that you bought after that? Well, it's interesting. Um, I bought the Buick, and I fixed it up. Uh, uh, fixed it stock. Mm-hmm. And I met my wife, and we dated in that car, and got married in that car, and it went, did my first Tonight Show in the car, and all kinds of stuff. And then I parked it in my mother's, my mother-in-law's driveway. And, of course, younger, prettier cars came along, <laughs> you know, and it just sort of sat there for, for actually for 17 years. Oh, wow. And one day I went over to my mother-in-law's house, and uh, there was a note on the car saying, uh, somebody doesn't care about this car. It's just sitting here. I would like to buy it. And I go, no, I care about it. I'm sorry. So uh, we, we uh, by that time, I was pretty well established and I got the tonight show um, and we dragged it back to my garage 
and then decided to do a complete restoration, and uh, that's what we did. Put the 572 in it, C5 suspension. Um, yeah, we did the whole car, made a resto mod out of it. Well, I'll tell you what, I've seen pictures of it, and I've seen the video. It's an absolutely stunning car. Was that the original colors on it, or was that something you changed later? The um, and black? No, it was, I think it was white and black originally. Mm-hmm. And then Michael Nesmith saw me driving it one day. Remember the guy from The Monkeys? Yeah. Uh-huh. And he, he put it in a video that's still up on, uh, it's still up on, uh, I'm sure you can Google it. On, on, it was, a, he did a thing called Elephant Parts, some kind of video back in the day. Uh-huh. Uh, and me driving the Buick, and we painted it yellow and black for that video. But it was just a cheap Earl Shive kind of paint job. And then when we restarted, we went went to silver and black. Okay, which is what it still is today. Yeah. Speaking of resto mods, um, the Tornado, um, you did the same thing to that. Similar, you put a big block in that. So what Tornado, is yeah, the Tornado got uh, Hot Rod of the Year, which is pretty cool from Hot oh. Rod Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to do something different, you know. Um, I always liked the look of the Tornado. I thought it was, you know, I liked that era of the 60s when even people who knew nothing about cars could look at a car and go, oh, that's got to be an American car. Mm-hmm. I mean, a Cadillac can only be made in America. You know, uh, the, the Tornado was such a breakthrough car. I remember at the time, um, you know, it was America's first post-war front-wheel drive vehicle. And the, Italian, the Italians used to say you could never put more than 200 horsepower through the front wheels because the torque steer would be too much. It would pull you off to the road. It would pull you to the left or the right. You know, it just wouldn't handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here comes a Tornado with 375 horsepower, and it won the Pikes Peak Hill Climb, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was the fastest stock automobile of Pikes Peak. So it really revolutionized the way Americans thought about automobiles and about engine placement and where they should go. Remember the Corvair came out in the 60s and because we were pretty set in our ways. Engine in the front, transmission in the middle, rear end in the back, you know. And then suddenly there's all this innovative thinking being done. You know, the flat floor Toronado and and it was such a big, it was such a big car even though it was a two-door <laughs> the door was so enormous there was a handle from the back seat you could open that door. From the, from the back seat you could open the front door. And so anyway, I always liked the look of them. And whenever I would see them parked on the street, this is, you know, 15, 20 years ago, they look like, you know, like dead dinosaurs lying in a tar pit. The chrome is all pitted <laughs> and the suspension is collapsed. And it, it looked like a big, ugly car. And I thought, no, that's a beautiful car. And then I, uh, through all this, and David North is the guy who had designed the car. I got to meet him. And when we did mine and we got the hot rod, then we brought him out. Because I always liked the look of American cars. I, I'm not a big one for chopping and channeling and all of that. I mean, I figure the guys who designed just went to college. They knew what they were doing. Uh, that's what I love about my 55 Buick. It's really just a bigger 55 Chevy, basically. Hmm. Little couple of inches wider, a couple of inches longer. Uh, but, and I always like the look of it. And I just wanted to make them perform like modern hot rods and cars, you know, put proper disc brakes all the way around and, and well, Tornado's now got a 1,076 horse. We got a small block 427 Chevy from Chevrolet. It's the, the engine they I won Le Mans with, in, I think 2004 or five. And we put twin turbos on it and we realized, okay, uh, the, that the chain drive, you know, the uh, Tornado had that chain drive system for the front wheel. Mm-hmm. You couldn't put a thousand horsepower through that; it would just rip it apart. So we built our own chassis and uh, using a lot of C5 parts of Corvette, and um, decided to make it a rear-wheel drive um, car because and the balance is the engine a little further back from the front, so the weight distribution a little bit better, and use the Corvette automatic transmission, and uh, and it's a great car. I mean, it's 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 one of my favorites. And I just like the look of it because it looks like a totally stock car, stock Tornado. Like a lot of times, be in the freeway and Corvettes pull up or Porsches <laughs> or something. Hey, do they give you a thumbs up? And hey, you know, hey, let's give it a go. And they look at you like, yeah, right. And then they <laughs> nail it. And then you nail it. Just blow their doors off. I mean, <laughs> the thing will break traction at sixty-five or seventy, and it's hilarious. 
Um, is it a '66 or '67? I I don't can't remember. It's a '66. I like I like the first year. That's one of my things with uh, GM. You had it right the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's kind of why I like Dodge. You know, I've got a Hellcat, and it's basically the same body design since 2008. Mm-hmm. It is the same body design, but they've got it to the point where it doesn't rattle, it doesn't squeak. They know how to make it. They understand it. They know instead of just completely changing everything every year, you have a, a, a pleasing body style. Like to me, the original first year Mustang was always the best one to me, mm-hmm. and still is the best looking one to me. So to me, the idea that every year you have to totally change your automobile, even when you have it right, I don't, I don't quite get it. You know, I never got the '58 Chevy. It, it, it never looked as pretty as the as the Tri Fives. You know. So when you're talking about cars now, for example, okay, and I agree with you. I think the 66, 67 Tornados, you know, 66 has got the horizontal grill, 68's got the A-crate grill, or 67, right. I should say. And then what do you, the Eldorado, the first year for the Eldorado, and, and I forget, the, they call it Razorback. There's a name for it, and I can't remember what it is, but the 67 Eldorado, I think, is the same thing. It's like a very, very stunning-looking car. The 68, when they put the side marker lights and they change a few things, the 7 just has that that flair to it. Do you feel the same way about that? Well, you have to remember the last year of pure design was 1966. By the time 67, not so much 67, but mostly 68 came along. The government had rules. Headlights had to be this tall. Uh, You couldn't have something protruded this way. You couldn't do this way. Uh, Like the Lamborghini Miura, 66 Mm -hmm. Lamborghini, pure design, no bumpers, no nothing. The most dangerous car on the road, but it looked, (laughs) beautiful and you know it's like you know how guys are if something's beautiful they're willing to put us to will to forget a lot of bad things you know <laughs> yeah. and 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 to me that's what i love about my two favorite years are 1932 because 1932 it was the middle of the depression but cars were here to stay and they all got together and said let's make the most outrageous v16s v12s Superchargers, freewheeling. I mean, all these features came in, uh, were introduced in the 1932 auto show, and people were like stunned. You know, DuPont had come out with colors. You know, most cars were just olive drab or gray because most people did not have garages because uh, the houses were built really at that point before cars. So the garage was an afterthought. So by the by 1932, it was like throw caution to the wind. Let's just show them the most outrageous stuff we can build. I mean, that V16 Cadillac with synchromesh transmission and hydraulic lifters and 16 cylinders, that was the first engine compartment that was designed. I mean, you opened the hood and, oh my God, people ooed and odd, all the chrome runners, you know, carrying the spark plug wires and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. I mean, it, it wasn't hugely successful, but it got people dreaming about cars and and uh, it made it an exciting time. You know, in 1966 also, you had the GTOs, you had the, the Corvettes, you had all these kind of cars. And it was the last year of, but by the next year, uh, seatbelts are mandatory. I mean, these are all good things, of course. I remember my dad and I went to look at a car and... The the salesman just humiliated my father. You know, I was going to be getting my license, and my dad said, uh, "No, this car has seatbelt." And the guy goes, "Seatbelt? Hey, Lloyd, we got a race car driver here. It was the What are you going to Indianapolis five hundred? You know, then he just said to my father, "Do you know how to drive? Would you crash a lot? You got to have a seatbelt." You know, and my father's like, "No, no, my son's going to be driving." You know, and then when the car, when the car came in, the guy showed us if you roll the seatbelt up, and then push the seat forward, you can put the seatbelt in the crevice so you'll never see it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, that's the way they did it back in the day. You know, it's, it sounds like crazy now. But safety was like, what? What's wrong with you? You know, I mean, I remember I've got a 67 Imperial and it has five ashtrays and five cigarette lights. It's hilarious. It's like you have five people who are just smoking. You're like a chimney going down the road. And it's just <laughs> Just a death trap, but but it was a funny time. That's a beautiful car, though, 67, because 67, 68 look pretty much alike, right? The six, and the Imperials? Well, you, you, the thing about Imperial was it was 
a separate division. It wasn't a Chrysler Imperial. It was a separate car. Okay. But consequently, you had a. It, it didn't use a Chrysler rear end. Didn't use Chrysler brakes. It had Imperial brakes. It had Imperial parts. Okay. In fact, a, a definitely. Um, I remember back in the day, demolition derbies would ban the Imperials because the ch- 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 chassis was so strong. It was considered an unfair advantage. Interesting. What do you think when you when you reflect back to the fifties and sixties, and, and you kind of touched on it a little bit? You know, the the last pure design was nineteen sixty six. What? And I was a kid back in the sixties too, so I look forward to every year a sixty one, a sixty Chevrolet, a sixty one was different, a sixty two was different, a sixty three. I just to me that was really really cool. Today, the cars are just so dull. I can't tell a, a two thousand twelve from a two thousand twenty. They all look alike to me. I mean, no and. And, you know, it's funny, because when you look at cars now, there are three primary colors, black, gray, and white. Yep. And they all just, you know, there's nothing. When you look at stuff from the 50s, you know, the avocado, and you know, just a weird, you know, tan. You know, I have a 1958 Lincoln. I found this thing down in Anaheim, California. I'm the third owner. Uh, the guy parked it in 1990. It is the the biggest, heaviest, longest American car ever produced. It is the most ridiculous automobile. 430 cubic inch V8. I don't know how 16-year-old girls took their driver's test in this stupid thing. It is so big. You cannot park it anywhere. And when I drive it, people look aghast. They think it's, they think it's some kind of custom with the French headlights and all this kind of stuff because it just... You see why the original Batmobile, the one that George Barris did, looks like, because that's what cars look like. I mean, it is it is so in the manual, in the owner's manual, it says gets up to ten point three miles per gallon, <laughs> and they're bragging about that. Uh, it, it was the fastest luxury car. It weighed fifty five hundred. It was almost three tons. I mean, it is the funniest car to drive. And it just floats down the road, this big boulevard ride, and you pass people, and they go, Tinkle! because people think you're pulling a trailer by the time the rear end of the car goes by them. Oh, it, it's, it's hilarious. But the 58 Lincoln, you know, 58, 59, 60, of the three, the 58, I think, is the prettiest one, because it, it's got that sculptured front end, just like you said, the French thin headlights. Well, it's, it's, it's pretty, you know, the Germans have a word for ugly attractive. and I, I don't know what, I can't pronounce the word. But that's what it is. It's so ugly, it's attractive. Because you go, what What the hell is, what? I mean, the trunk is, really, you could lay three or four people across the back, the trunk, comfortably. I, I mean, it, it's just so, and, and the thing it's got, it's really cool, it's got a big box on the transmission tunnel, which is an FM receiver. That was the first year of FM. And in my owner's manual, it says, with FM, you can pick up wild and crazy radio stations. (laughs) Nostalgic radio cars, wild and crazy radio stations. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Let me ask you this. Is yours a four-door, a two-door? Does it have a breezeway? No, no. My mine's a a breezeway window and two-door. Okay. And you know know something we have to do? Here's something we have to stop doing. Okay. Look, we grew up, we like the Beach Boys, we like Jan and Dean. Yep. I see, I, I, every time I go to a car show now, they're just blasting Surf City, and I see, I see like, 20-year-olds walk through, this is a cool car, they hear the music, go, ugh, and they walk the other direction, because it is so alien to them. It is so bizarrely old-fashioned and loud. I, 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 we, I would love to go to a car show that has no music playing, just so I can talk to the owners, but... Just to be standing saying, what year is your car? And we had fun, fun, fun. I said, what year is your car? You know, and the Beach Boys are blaring in the speakers right there. And it's it, it just, but it, it, they wonder why young people don't go to car shows. It's because it's, God, there's music. It, to them, it's like crazy, you know. We're not, we have you to. Know, it's like, what are some of your thoughts on getting the younger population, the younger kids, the millennials, the Zoomers, whatever you want to call them, get them interested in our cars? What are some, what are some of the thoughts? Well, it's interesting. I find that uh, when we were young, cars mm-hmm. were part of the culture. Right. So people pre- who knew nothing about cars pretended to be just so they could be with sort of the in crowd, if you 
for lack of a better term. Now I find kids either know nothing about cars or they are so focused, you know, they know, an, I, I, know I, I meet a small group who are hugely well-informed and the rest of the population knows nothing at all. I mean, to me, the trick is you've got to let people sit in the cars or, you know, I remember my, one of my favorite things, one day I was, uh, I get a letter from this kid. I didn't know him. Demis Leno, I'm in the eighth grade. Uh, I told everybody, you're my uncle. And <laughs> on weekends, we, we go driving around in your Lamborghini and they're calling me a liar. Could you take me for a ride in your Lamborghini and we could drive past them so I could prove that you really are my uncle? Well, I just love this. I love this kid. I mean, first of all, he is a liar. <laughs> you know, but I call him up and we talk. I said, well, let me talk to your parents. And I said, okay, can I pick him up and give him a ride to school next one day next week? And they say, sure, okay. So I, I, the kid didn't live far from me, Hermosa Beach. So I go, I pick him up in the Lamborghini, you know. And we get to the school and we wait until all the buses pull in front, you know. And then as the kids are getting off the bus, we pull up in the Lamborghini and, of course, the scissor doors go up, you know. And the kid gets out. Bye, Uncle Jay. Okay, Tim. See you later. And like, oh, he is his uncle. You know. <laughs> now that kid, uh, he was thirteen at the time. He will give anything to get a Lamborghini Countach. That's his dream car because some guy gave him a ride. And you know, we tend to like things that made an impression on us when I was six or seven. Yep. I mean, when I was nine years old. I was riding my bicycle up a hill. I got to the top of the hill, and I saw a blue XK120 Jag, 1951 it was. And it was like, oh, my God, it had the spats on the back, and I was just dumbfounded. And this old guy motioned to me, come on, you want to sit in it? I said, yeah, I'd love to sit in it. And I sat in it, and I said, well, that's the first car I bought when I made money. I bought it uh, when I came, I mean, after I got my Buick. I bought uh, my first collector car. I bought a 1954 Jag, just like that one I had I had sat in. And the funny part is, I told this story once on, on the Tonight Show or something with Johnny, and I got a letter from a guy. He said, hey, you know that guy who let you sit in his car? He's still alive. And I said, well, how can he be alive? He's an old man. Well, he was an old man. He was 24. When I was nine, <laughs> I, 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 I thought he was 50, you know. So... 50 years later, I go back and I visit him. He's still got the car. You know, He's one of these old New England guys. He lives in an old New England house. He cuts his own firewood. He's had this car his whole life. And, it, it you know, I just told him what an effect it had on me and why, you know, he, he seemed to like that. And, and we're, his name is Milligan. And we're still friends. And, uh, you know, it just, it, just, it just made me laugh. But when I was nine, he was 24. I just assumed he was like 50. <laughs> so, I mean, but that made an impression on me. And that's how you impress kids. You know, you you let them sit behind the wheel or, you know, rev up the engine, whatever it is, whatever it is. But I hate when I go to car shows and there are, you know, don't approach this car unless you are nude, you know, those kind of signs. Mm -hmm. and don't even think of sitting in this car. Well, I mean, it's a car. That's, that's what it's supposed to be, you know, and, and you should let, Young people enjoy it. Um, I wonder, since you're talking about that and you're talking about New England, the Audre, I think it's Audrain Concourse was last year. The Audrain year. Museum, yeah. Tell, right. us, tell us a little bit about that because I think you were kind of indirectly uh, there, I mean, involved. You were there, and I think you lived well, there. Well, I was the, the chairman of the thing. And okay. A guy named Nick, Nick Shorsh, he owns the Audrain Museum. Okay. And uh, they're trying to make it like an East Coast Pebble Beach, and they, they really did an excellent job. It, it was really a lot of fun. And when you talk about young people, uh, I had an idea that we instituted there that worked very well. It was called, uh, we had the usual Concours, mm -hmm. and then we had something called 30 Under 30. That was it, which right. Which is people 30 years old and younger who spent no more than $30,000 restoring their cars. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we had the usual Duesenbergs and Alfa Romeos, Bugattis. And then we had kids with, uh, you know, Japanese cars from the 90s. BMW 1600s, C10 Chevy truck. And these kids were so honored that their car that they had since high school and been fixing up was asked to be on the lawn with the Bugattis and the Duesenberg. I mean, one kid, one kid brought his parents because he had restored the car himself and his parents couldn't believe 
that his car got invited to this classy car show. Uh, another kid was literally in tears that he had been been asked to be part of this, you know. And I realized, oh, it really had an effect on them, you know. And you know, a lot of car shows for young people are intimidating. You go and there's a, you know, a half a million dollar Lamborghini, and you go, well, I'm never going to have that. I can't, you know, and, you know, all of a sudden it's like the door slamming in your face. But when you invite some kid who made something himself and restored it himself, in fact, one kid uh, crashed his car on the way to the event and repainted it that morning. He got to Newport, Rhode Island. He found a body shop. He told them what had happened. They let him use the body shop, and he sanded and painted it and pointed out. I mean, you can see that he repainted it there. But that's okay. He still won. He still won because he, he he did it all himself, and it was all his own effort. And these kids will be the Bugatti and Duesenberg guys of the future, you know. Uh, but they were so thrilled that that, that they weren't, um, there wasn't a big snob thing about it, you know. Do you think more, do you think that kind of sets a tone and maybe like a, a trend for maybe some of the other concourse and other major events around the country? Sure. I mean, you have like this Radwood thing, which is cars in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. I mean, to people of our generation, a car from the 90s is a used car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh-huh. I mean, I remember once when I, my last year, the Tonight Show, we had an intern, this kid come to me, oh, Miss Leno, I'm a big car fan. Ah, hey, John. I said, do you have any classic cars? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, what do you got? He goes, a 91 Miata. And I, I just kind of smiled and I realized he was born in 90. So to him, this is a classic car. Yeah. This is a really old, this is a car, you know, it's like to me, I have a 19... 19- 50 Plymouth station wagon because I came home from the hospital in a 49 Plymouth. That's what my dad had. And I remember that wet mohair upholstery, you know, after it rained and, and sitting in that car. And I loved driving that thing. You know, I mean, it's just a six cylinder with 97 horsepower and three on the tree, but it reminds me of being a kid and driving around with my parents. You know? And this kid, that's what the 91 Miata does for him, you know? So it's, it's, it's like rap and rock and roll. They're both music. You just like one more than the other. Yeah, it's a generational thing. One thing I always forgot yeah. to ask you is, I remember you telling the story a long time ago, early on when you came on our show, You know how, how you went to the Ford dealership the day they pretty much introduced the Mustang back in April of 64 and a half. April 17th, 1964. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So let me ask you this. Do you own a 65 Mustang? I, I don't, I've never asked you that question before, and I don't know if you do. Yes, I do. I have a... Um, okay. I have a Shelby 350. Oh, okay. GT 350. Yeah, yeah. That's a Mustang on steroids. That's a Mustang on steroids. <laughs> well, it's so funny, you know, because uh, the Shelby had 306 horsepower, was considered a racing car. Uh-huh. When you go now and you buy the least expensive, smallest engine Mustang, it's an Ecotec four cylinder with 300 and. 25, something like that. Yeah. And you realize, oh, the base model is faster than the fastest Mustang you could buy when I was a kid. Yeah. That being said, I really enjoy my 65 Shelby. It's a lot of fun to drive. You also have a 427 Cobra, correct? Right. Mine has a 427 camera motor in it. That's the, uh, that's the overhead cam motor they put in the power boat. And we put that in, got 25, 30 years ago, you know. No, that's got to have some serious, uh, serious torque. Yeah, to it. yeah. I mean, to have a big block that revs to seventy five hundred RPM, that's that's impressive. I mean, the timing chain is eight feet long. It's uh, when that breaks, it gets expensive. <laughs> well, now let me ask you this: When you have these cars, these collecting, now I'm I'm a, I have a few old cars myself, and I'm also a Shelby guy. Um, I don't have a sixty five, but I have a sixty six uh, Hertz right. car. And it's an early car. It's a serial number five forty eight, and it's a carry. Oh, it's, is black and gold. It's a black and gold, but it's one of eighty five factory four speed cars. It's one of uh, the early. Oh, it has overriders, steel hood, factory oh, four yeah, speed. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So yeah, that's it's, great. And it's an original survivor car, so it's never been. Uh, I bought it off the original owner who got it from a dealership in Venice, Florida. And these, both these, this car and a green car came from Atlanta, and they were uh, Hertz cars. And one was the green oh, was automatic. Great. Yeah, so I can empathize with you on those cars because I'm very, very partial to that car, and it's a survivor. And so when you when you talk about these old cars, 
I have spare parts for my cars because I've been collecting them over the over the years. And of course, I used right. to be in the wrecking yard business. Do you have a lot of? Or do you feel the same way? Do you have a lot of spare parts for a lot of the cars that you have? I do have a lot of spare parts. Um, I try to buy them when I can, especially anything Duesenberg. Uh, but something that, which is obviously the way to go now, is three D printing. I mean, we make our own water pumps here. You know, I bought a nineteen. I bought a nineteen fourteen Premier, which is a car built in Indianapolis in the teens. It was a pre. It was a uh, luxury automobile, big six cylinder motor, and the guy I got it from bought it in the early seventies, and it had no water pump. And he thought he would be able to get a water pump. He put it in his garage. It sat from the mid seventies until I got it in oh. Maybe what two thousand one, two thousand two. He never did anything with it. He had the rotted out water pump. I bought it from him. We bought it back here. I took the rotted out water pump. I laid it on the table, using our ferro arm, three D scanned it, and we made a new water pump. We were able to apply more metal to where it would wear, where it was likely to become a porosity problem, and. We made a new water pump, we printed it, we put it in plastic, and then we sent it out and had it made, and I got a running car with a brand new water pump. Um, you know, you can 3D print anything. I made a valve cover, I got have an Owens Magnetic, which is a hybrid electric car from 1960, and the valve cover was porous. Oil was just coming out all over it. It had been welded, you know, and guys had used that... Um, What's that steel but You know, that epoxy. Oh, all well, JB Weld? Yeah, yeah, JB Weld, JB uh-huh. Weld. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just all, well, we just scanned it and we made a new one. So that's that's really the future of the hobby. I mean, it's unbelievable. There is no part you can't make. I have a lot of steam cars, 1909 whites and dobles, and the parts are not available. All you have to do is you can scan a picture of a part. Uh, you can 3D it using the using the scanner, and you can make you can make whatever you need. I mean, I made a feed water heater for a 1909 white steamer. You're not going to find that in a junkyard, and you can't <laughs> tell it from original. You know, I mean, it's it's amazing. I mean, that's really the future. Is there a limit to how big the part is that you can make with 3D? Or I mean, well, what we do is uh, like uh, I have my uh, Ford Galaxy. We put the, the Roush big block engine in there, and I, I wanted to make um, an air cleaner with a with a snorkel, mm-hmm. so sort of pulling cold air. And we made it. My three D printer is only so big, so we made it in two pieces. Okay. And then and then you know put the two pieces together, literally, literally crazy glued the two pieces together, and then sent it out to the uh, to the uh, pattern make. I mean to the uh, yeah, the pattern maker, yeah. Okay, so basically when you make it out of, out of the 3D, it's actually kind of like a resin part, and then... Yeah, then you yeah send... but here's the, here's the amazing thing. They have 3D printers that print in steel now. In steel? Yeah, really? what it is, it's like iron... Fi- yeah, it's it, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's like, remember the Jetsons? You used to press the button and the steak dinner would come out with yeah. the baked potato. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's literally like that. And, you know, all us old guys at the Bridgeport Lathes and all those kind of stuff, these guys come by and they go, how can it, how, how can it make that? It does. And they go, oh, that's unbelievable. I mean, it's pretty incredible. The uh, cars, what are some, uh, um, are you, real, do you have a lot of connect? because I, mean, I know you go to some of the car shows and stuff like that. I think I, every once in a while I see some of YouTube channels and you're like at some Malibu and places like that. Right, right. Do they have some? Do, when you go to those events, do you bring something different every time, or do you have a tendency to drive the same car, or kind of like I know you drive no, different I, cars? I, I, I try to bring something different. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to one of the best ones. It was in Wisconsin. Ah, I can't remember the name, but it was just, and it was just a rate. It's just regular guys, you know, working guys, and it was fun to sit and talk because everybody had a project that's going to be finished when the kids are done with college. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, a lot of these guys had had the car since high school and, you know, it was pouring rain and guys are cooking brats on the, you know, on the little hibachis, and uh-huh. just drinking beer and talking. And uh, it was just a lot of fun, you know, 
I mean, the car that won the car show, the one I picked, was a guy had a uh, uh, 65 Pontiac Tempest with the six-cylinder overhead cam engine with the Sprint option. It was a four-speed. Mm-hmm. And it was just nothing fancy, but he had done the whole thing himself, painted it in his garage, sanded it in the driveway, you know, the whole deal. And to me, you know, the the guy who runs is better than the guy who walks. The guy who walks is better than the guy who drives, you know. And to see somebody with virtually no budget turn out a beautiful project like this on a not expensive car. I mean, the car is probably worth $12,000, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's probably got 100000 in hours. But just, I mean, it was just nice to see the workmanship and the camaraderie and the, you know, everybody cheered for one another. Sometimes, you know, to me, one of the funniest things, we went to Pebble Beach once and we wanted to interview uh, the biggest losers. Uh, And we talked to the judges about, and believe me, when millionaires and billionaires lose, they don't take it lightly. One guy went back to the hotel and urinated all over the room and got thrown out of the hotel. Another guy got second place and he put his trophy on the on the parade stand and ran over it and crushed it because he didn't win first. I mean, hilarious. So to go to a car show where it's just guys that really appreciate the cars and are regular folks, I mean, that was this was a lot of fun. It was, I really enjoyed it. Speaking of uh, Wisconsin, I know up in Minnesota they have, um, I think it's in the summer, it's one of the largest car shows in the country there. I mean, there's something like... 15,000, 20,000 cars show up at that. Have you ever been to that event? Yeah, in fact, I'm wearing a shirt that says Minnesota Hot Rod Association. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, coincidental. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's yeah, that show um, like? I don't really get a chance to go to a whole lot of because I usually work on the weekends. So okay. Unless there's a car show in the town, as it was in Wisconsin, uh-huh. uh, I don't really get a chance to go to too many. Um, so, But I enjoy you know reading about them and all that kind of stuff. So if you had to go to car shows, then you really kind of like where your your heart and soul, so to speak, is you like hanging out at the small car shows with the real car guys that are just like you and I, just uh, that are the tinkers. Yeah, I just like, I mean, I don't, yeah, I just like the regular car shows. Uh-huh. In fact, I like the ones that, I mean, to me, my favorites are just the cars and coffee. You uh-huh. just show up and you see what, I mean, I don't know, to pick, I mean, is a guy who does a checkbook restoration, is his car... Uh-huh better than the guy who did the whole thing himself. You know, I mean, sure, the checkbook restoration looks better, but the guy's not involved with the car. He can't tell you all the ins and outs. You know, I I always thought that Pebble Beach should have a written test. You know, (laughs) your car won? Okay, now you have to tell me who designed this car and how many were built, what year was made. And if you don't know know any, because, you know, a lot lot of these car shows are, it's like the English, you know, they have a son, and then they send them off to boarding school, and then they meet them again when they're 18, you know. And, you know, a lot of these guys do that. They'll buy a car, they send it off to be restored, it's a three-year restoration, and then they saw it the day they wrote the check, and then they saw it the day at One Pebble Beach. But, so did you really enjoy it? Was it really that much fun, you know? It's like when I look in magazines and I see 2005 Ford GT, 80 miles. Did that guy enjoy that car? I mean, really? Uh, why Why did you buy it? What was the point of it? What was the point of having it, you know? I mean, to me, a car like that with 80 miles on it is worse than one with thirty or 40,000 on it because, A, you're going to have to recommission the whole thing again, you know? Every gasket is dried up, you know? It's just been sitting. Tires are flat spot. Not, nothing is, you know, is as good as one that's been used, you know, so... Um, but to answer your question, yeah, I just like the regular car show. You know, it's funny you talked about that because I still have the 1957 Thunderbird that I had in high school. My first car was an Austin Healey, and it got wiped out after six days. Some girl crashed it. So then my next car, because I couldn't afford the Shelby I wanted, was a 57 Thunderbird. I bought it locally here. A kid was going to uh, Gainesville University, and his dad bought him a used Corvette. So I didn't have a lot of money. And coming from California, moving to Florida... I went down to the local hardware store and I bought four cans of Rust-Oleum flat black. I didn't know anything about wet sanding 
It rains a lot in Florida. The guy goes, well, you're going to sand it down? I said, yeah. He says, are you going to wet sand it? I didn't know what that meant. I was 16. And he goes, well, that's when you take water and you take, uh, you know, 500, goes 1,000, so on. Anyway, long and short of it, the car was painted flat black that night, pinstriped in red. It's a 57, so the coves kind of look like a Batmobile a little bit. And then I had old American. No, I had Keystone Classics on it at the time. I still have that car today, and it looks exactly the way it did in high school. Yeah, good. And my wife says, are you going to restore it? And I said, no, it is a totally period correct car. Yeah. And it's a three. That's a three twelve, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a three twelve, and um, with old headman headers and stuff. So, your thoughts on that? Period correct modifications are totally acceptable, aren't they? If you're building you know, a to car, me, and, to me, anything's acceptable if you like it. It's what you like, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, the thing that I don't get sometimes is when a car is modified to the point where I can't even tell what it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love the Ring Brothers; they're great. Oh But yes. they came in once with a. A 48, I think it was a Cadillac, but they had mounted all the pieces on a uh, CTV chassis. So it had the modern Cadillac interior. And, I I mean, there was nothing 48 Cadillac about it anymore. I mean, it was a beautiful job. It was incredible. And it must have cost a half a million bucks. But I kind of went with Where's the cat? I mean, to me, the fun of sitting in a 48 Cadillac is the, I think that's the year, or maybe 47, with the horseshoe dash and, Mm -hmm. you know, just the old period knobs in there. I mean, that's the fun of it. That's sort of the ambiance of it. You know, putting a modern, a whole modern dashboard, modern seats, you know, you know, the bing bong when you get in the car (laughs) and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I don't know. Thought it loses something. Well, now, let's expand on that a second. The Grand National Roaster Show is uh, in your neck of the woods there in California. Do you go to that? Do you look at some of those cars? What are your thoughts? I I mean, to me, um, a lot of those I I don't get. Oh, really? Well, to me, cars are kind of like movies. Sometimes the more money you spend on it, the less interesting it is. You know, when the movie is low budget, you really have to act, you know. Okay. I remember going to the Roadster show, and a guy spent a fortune chroming the brake rotors. And I thought, okay, the first time you step on the brake, you're going to peel the ro- you're gonna peel the chrome right off. I mean, you, you, you actually couldn't step on the brakes on this car. It was sort of pushed in and pushed out. And I go, well, what's the point of that? Is it, is, is it still a car? Or is it a piece of artwork or sculpture? Which is fine, too. But to me, you should be able to use it for its intended purpose. You know, I, I sort of like the hot rods from the 50s because it's got a LaSalle transmission. It's got, the, you know, the Ford uh, banjo steering wheel and blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, okay. You know, I mean, to me, when you, when you can just spend as much as you want, it's like these big... Marvel comic movies with big explosions. And I don't see a lot of heart in the movie. I mean, it's visually stunning, mm-hmm. but that don't, I don't see the heart and soul of it, you know? And that's what I like. I mean, you know, and I, um, I remember once at the Quail, they asked me to pick my favorite car, and it was a guy who, this guy was really old. He had raced this car in 54. Oh, wow. And some kind of Oldsmobile. Um, he just modified it, did all this stuff to it. And he's, it was like 92 or something. And, he, and just talking about the car and what he did. And back in 59, I did, you know, I mean, it was really funny because he has a car with a story and a heart and a soul. And yes. it was, it was really fascinating. I mean, it wasn't the best looking thing, you know, it's, it, it was a race car and that's what he did with it. It wasn't, the paint was okay, but you know, it wasn't like one of those, you know, pulling, you know, blades of grass out between the tires with tweezers, you know. <laughs> the Quail's actually a pretty nice show there. Um, oh, it's a great show. It's a great show, yeah. So, speaking of which, since we're talking about Monterey, we've got a minute or two left. Um, I know you're a big uh, car guy, but every once in a while I bump into you in that little Italian restaurant down there on uh, Lighthouse in Monterey there. Is that one of your favorite pizza joints there in Monterey? Oh, it's not a bad place. Yeah, yeah, it's not a bad place to go there, yeah. I know Reggie um, Jackson goes there and, and a bunch of other guys I bump into there. and uh, so. Oh, okay, there you go. So, but um, I don't. Uh, I think Monterey is still on, right, this year so far as, as we I know? I don't know. I mean, we'll, 
We'll have to wait and see. I don't know. I, I mean, who knows where this is going? This could end in two weeks or it could go till next Christmas, you know. I mean, the Olympics just got postponed. So that's going on at the same time as Pebble Beach. So well, so we'll see. The good thing is, is that I think uh, as long as you're still out there driving cars and I'm still out there driving cars, the best advice we can give everybody is to keep driving your cars. Right, Jay? There you go. Give it a shot. All righty, my friend. You take care. Thank you very much for coming on the show this evening, Jay. You take care of yourself. I know you're going to go out for a little moonlight drive this evening in, uh, in Mulholland. Talk to you later. And you, you okay. take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye. <laughs> See you, Jay. Bye. I want to thank my special guest, Jay Leno, for coming on the show with us, telling us a little bit, uh, some good stories tonight. And he actually told some jokes. That was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, that right? was cool. That, that was, was cool. really cool. So, um, anyway, yes. what do you want to say, Bobby? You want to wrap uh, this today thing up? is the great American takeout. That means... Uh, in the wake of all this stuff, we're encouraging people to go out and get takeout from their favorite restaurants. So we obviously recommend the Rib Shack Barbecue. Uh, it's a great place to uh, partake in this uh, big day today, and uh, also Dunning Brewery. Uh, both of the both of them offering uh, uh, takeout options. So check them out on Facebook. Their links are on our page, and um, you know we're on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube. Follow us on all of those. Um, also with Rip Shack, Uber Eats, and Bite Squad are good options. Uh, they offer, uh, you can basically have them ring the doorbell and there will be Rib Shack sitting at your door. That's, uh, and, and they might have waived the, the, the delivery fees, so check it out because uh, a, a, lot of, a lot of good stuff to help everybody out right now. Yeah, and then also don't forget to check out flacarshows.com because I think there still are some car shows going on taking place. So, But you can find out there because that will give you all the information as far as what's going on in the state of Florida. Right, and Bobby? keep in mind with flacarshows.com, you know, Tara is one great person, and she can't obviously verify that every event is going on. So check with them uh, specifically if they're still going on. And also maybe some of those events are turning into more of just a drive. You know, everybody – Comes well, out and drives, and that's kind of part of our uh, Nostalgic Radium Cars official list of uh, car guy quarantine ideas. <laughs> car guy quarantine ideas. Yeah, that, well, truly. I mean, think, stop and think about it. You just get behind the wheel of the car, and you drive your car. Talk about social just, distancing. Just wave it, just wave social people. distancing is 55 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour, 70 miles more an hour. More than six feet. You're eight, your lane yeah. is 8 to 10, 12 feet wide, so you're, you're plenty of far away from people. So that's a good thing to do. Work on your car. You know. Get it ready, because when this all blows over, we're all going on cruises. We're all going to hang out back at the car shows. In the meantime, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night here on the Tantalk Radio Network for the most legendary and fascinating names in motorsports, right here. I'd like to see you guys at some of the car shows, but uh, if nothing else, we'll see you guys on the road here and there. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.